This is the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman, CPA. I am Art Wiederman, CPA, have been, always will be Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm a dental-specific CPA located in Southern California. My CPA firm represents about 250 dentists, um, mostly in Southern California. Uh, I'm a proud member of the National Academy of Dental CPAs, which is 24 amazing CPA firms that represent about 9,000 dentists across the United States. And today I have a special treat. Um, one of our ADCPA members, a dear, dear friend of mine, Robbie Apple from Apple Guerin and Company, uh, is with us as well as one of his good friends, uh, Dr. Nick Robber, who is a practicing dentist in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Robbie's practice is also in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Nick is not only a practicing dentist, but he is also a professor and teaches business at uh, Louisiana State University Dental School. And Robbie and Nick and I are going to talk about what's going on uh, in dental school, what the dental students are learning, what the dental students should be uh, interested in. Nick is also going to talk a little bit about what's happening in his practice Um Uh, He actually uh, went through uh, Katrina, so he'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, Robbie's also going to talk about some of the things that he helps his clients with uh, in in helping guide them towards financial security. So uh, a lot of really good information on this podcast. I want to give you a little information, first of all. Uh, If you want to get a hold of me at my office in Tustin, California, uh, that is 714-259-0505. If you would like to send me a question, if you'd like to send me a suggestion for a future guest, uh, we've gotten some really good guests from some of our, uh, some of the people listening to the podcast. And, and I'm always looking for an interesting story like you'll hear today. Um, I'm at artweederman at gmail.com. If you want to listen to any of the podcasts that have been published, uh, go to our website, which is www.hmwccpa.com. All of the podcasts are there, uh, and you can listen to them at your leisure. That's the great thing about podcasts is they're on demand, uh, and all the information about our guests are there. And if you're not working with a dental-specific CPA, folks, I, I, I again, I am a broken record. I apologize profusely for repeating myself and being a broken record, but if you're not working with a dental-specific CPA, Someone like Robbie Apple, who you'll meet in a minute, um, you really need to, the, the benefit you'll get um, in your practice and financially is is so far beyond what your wildest imagination would be. I can't even tell you. Go to www.adcpa.org. So we're, we're going to forego our tip because I got a lot to talk to these two uh, two gentlemen about. So I want to tell you a little bit about Nick. Nick Robert is a dentist. He was born and raised in uh, New Orleans. He graduated um, uh, from LSU and with a degree in zoology and a minor in chemistry. So he probably is too smart to be on this show, but we'll, we'll let him on anyway. Um, he uh, did his uh, dental training at the LSU School of Dentistry. Uh, he was awarded the Pierre Fouchard and Grace, uh, Grace Voigt Scholarships for Outstanding Academic Achievement. Um, Nick has got a really interesting charity that he works with, which I'm going to let you talk to, uh, let him talk about in a minute. Uh, it's raised uh, over $1.7 million uh, over the years. Um, and he is a gratis faculty member at LSU School of Dentistry. And that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today is what's in his class and what he does. And he's also a practicing dentist. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Robbie Apple, on the other hand, is a dental-specific CPA, one of the best in the country, one of the nicest human beings you're ever going to meet, um, one of the most giving people I have ever met, one of my favorite people in our ADCPA group. Um, Robbie's uh, firm is also located in uh, Baton Rouge. They service just under uh, 200 dentists. He is also an LSU graduate, um, and um, he's an active member of several um, organizations, Red Stick Leadership Network, uh, 
Alumni Advisory Board, Signal New Fraternity. He is on the board of directors or ADCPA, so I do have to behave today, or, or they'll kick my you-know-what out of the organization. And um, Robbie loves building long-term relationships with clients and helping them reach their their, their goals. So, uh, Nick and Robbie, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance. Good morning. Good morning. Well, you got to say more than good morning. You got to say go Tigers, right? Go Tigers. So that's so, it, man. Go Tigers. So, so, so I have to tell this story about about Robbie and um, uh, and Todd and Jude, who are the 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 principals, and um, and and Mama Apple Jane, who's wonderful, who's kind of the matriarch of their firm. So um, they came to our meeting. I think it was in Seattle, and um, our president Alan Schiff says. Uh, Art, you need to vet these guys and see if they're, you know, worthy to be in the ADCPA. So I go up to them, and the three of them are standing there. And I said, "Okay, so where are you guys from?" They said, uh, "Baton Rouge, Louisiana." I said, "That's LSU, right?" They said, "Yes, sir." And I said, uh, "Do I get to go to an LSU game?" They said, "Yes, sir." I said, "Then you're in the ADCPA." It was a very, very tough vetting process, right, Robbie? Very, 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 very tough and very intense. But we we let you in. And, <laughs> Robbie actually hosted me not once uh, but twice at LSU games. Last year was when LSU played Alabama, and I will tell you, I've been, uh, I've been to USC, UCLA, I've been to the Rose Bowl, I've been to the national championship games, I've been at Ohio State, I've been in Nebraska. I have never heard a stadium louder than Death Valley in Baton Rouge. That was so much fun. And and Robbie, I'll tell you what, they had these signs. They had the game day there, right? And the signs basically, you know, some of the signs we, we really can't talk about on this show because it's not uh, PG. But uh, my worst sign that I saw that was up um, at the game, and there were 250,000 people tailgating, said, Nick Saban hates puppies. That was that was like the worst sign I saw. Nick Saban is the head football coach at Alabama and their, uh, their rivals. So... But anyway, um, let me let me have you guys talk a little bit about yourself. Robbie, tell us a little bit about uh, Apple Garen and what you do in Baton Rouge for dentists. Well, everything was great in that game, Art, until the game started, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> until Tua started throwing the ball for Alabama. That's right. This year, this year we got different plans. But uh, anyway, thank you for having us. Um, you gave us a pretty good intro. Uh, we are Apple Garen slash AG Dental here in Baton Rouge. Um, traditional CPA firm with the addition of some dental-specific services. We'll get into some of those today, but um, we're proud members of the ADCPA and love serving our clients, mostly in Louisiana, but we kind of span the, the Gulf Coast. Okay. And uh, so, Nick, uh, I, I want to hear about, um, you know, I want to hear about this um, uh, Swellfest Fishing Rodeo. Uh, you told me a little bit about it before the, the podcast, but it's fascinating. Talk, talk about that for a minute. It's a, it's a wonderful charitable thing that you guys do. So <clears throat> Swole Fest started, I was, uh, down here in South Louisiana, you know, fishing and, and outdoors is a big part of our sportsman's paradise down here. And so when I was a, when I was a young kid, you know, all of our dads had fishing rodeos, which rodeos synonymous for tournament. Um, and so with that, I decided when I was 17, I was a junior in high school, that I wanted to start my own tournament. And uh, so I had five of my friends and three of our dads, and we went down to a little barrier island down here called Grand Isle. And, um, you know, and, and had the first Swole Fest. And, and the name Swole Fest is totally made up at the time. We were all working out and playing football in high school and those kind of things. So Swole was synonymous for big, so swole fast, catch the swollest fish, biggest fish, that kind of thing, and had no intentions of it ever being more than it it was a weekend tournament that year in the summer of 97, and uh, here we are 23 years later, um, one of the biggest fishing tournaments in the Gulf South down here, one of the largest charitable, fully volunteer-run organizations, and, uh, you know, we've raised a lot of money for a lot of various charities over the years but our, our latest venture has been we have a standalone children's hospital here in baton rouge it's called our lady of the lake children's hospital and um starting about four years ago we we met with the hospital staff and and really loved all of their values and principles and and you know and, and our mission is to help kids and help uh disabled veterans and so when 
we decided that's what we wanted to do, and we pledged a half a million dollar donation to them. And, wow. Uh, we're, we've already paid 300000 of that, and over the next uh, three years, we'll be paying out the rest of it. And uh, the whole first floor cafe area is now called the Swolfest Cafe. It's a real humbling experience when you get to go in there and see it and know that that's just from volunteerism and just kind of following a dream. Is there a website that someone can go to if they want to participate in this tournament? Sure. You can just go to swolfest.com. It's S-W-O-L-L-F-E-S-T.com. Okay. And also, um, Nick, you uh, you were in dental school when Katrina hit uh, the Louisiana area. Talk a little bit about that experience. That must have been unbelievable. Yeah. So, so down here at LSU, we, on some of the Fridays, we have little parties after, um, you know, TGIFs on on Fridays after dental school. And so that, that Friday before that's what we had. And, um, we had a, I had a camp about 45 minutes from the dental school, a little fishing camp. And so some buddies and I were going to go fish that night. And so we had the boat attached. And so after the, after we got out of school for the week and, you know, we, we knew there was a hurricane out there, but, you know, just, uh, down here in, in South Louisiana, we're kind of, our generations are defined by whatever hurricane hit that during that generation. And so, you know, all growing up, we always heard about Betsy and Camille and that was our parents. Those were, those were the ones from back then that they always talked about. So that's what we heard, but we had never really been truly affected by one at that point, my generation. And so there we were, you know, we were going out, we just knew that a hurricane was kind of out there, but not really coming down the, the chute for us. And so, we were fishing. We went out fishing that evening. The water was real high. It was real windy. And so the next morning we wake up and the water's all, you know, it's, it's up to our mid tires on our cars. And we're like, ah, what is going on? We turn the TV on and, and realize the hurricane's coming right at us. And I have a, this real odd picture that I took because we loaded everything up in the camp and uh, took a picture of the TV and you can see the hurricane coming right down the chute on the TV. And, and uh, you know, a day later, it, the hurricane came right over that area, wiped everything out. There was nothing left of any of that area. But as far as the dental school, uh, you know, we, we took flooding. We had flooded our whole basement, our first floor, flooded all that area of New Orleans because that's where the levee broke on that side um, that, that flooded all that part of New Orleans. And so, you know, it was a real real odd time we were stranded you know we were all trying to figure out who who was where what was what and uh and we ended up back in baton rouge and they had brought in a whole bunch of temporary housing for us they had a big ship in the river um that's where everybody lived and it was teachers and students and everybody living next to each other and and uh we slowly built the school back we had um uh, this this kind of a area area of town that they weren't using part of this these buildings and so they they gave us those buildings or we leased them from them and uh you know we started building that school back and i mean we had so much help from around the country and dental supply companies i mean we just got flooded with it and all of our all of our students our teachers everybody would after we would finish school we would go over there and start unloading stuff trying to you know everybody and out how to put hoses to chairs and compressors and and we were also working out of our LSU veterinary school at the time that's where we were doing our our didactic stuff until we got the the other clinic up and going and and then uh you know it was just I mean it was really you know thinking back on it it was a really amazing time and and uh, we would even go back, we'd go down to the dental school and we'd have to take our, our flat boats, which is, you know, like aluminum boat, a John boat. And uh, we would take those flat boats into that part of the city and go help students get to their houses. And, you know, we saw we helped a lot of people just, you know, they were looking there would be people waiting there just trying to see if somebody was alive and Jeez, open I- up, get into attics and. Um, you know, it's just, it's crazy. I, to think I can't even it. imagine. I, so th- that must've been an unbelievable time and I've never been through a hurricane and I don't think I ever want to be, uh, going through a hurricane. So kudos to you. And it's amazing how helpful and wonderful people are when, when other people are, are in need. So let, let's get into our topic today, guys. Uh, Nick, I'm going to start with you. You teach at the LSU dental school. Tell us about the course you teach. Sure. So I'm just a gratis faculty member i'm not uh there's no i'm not paid faculty there i just you know i've always especially after the 
the time there with Katrina and we got really close with all the faculty and I was stayed on a lot of the different boards of what and whatnot. And, and so there's, we have a course at, at LSU and maybe it's at all dental schools, but it's a professional development course that goes through all four years. And, uh, so inside of that course, um, I worked with one of our other deans of research, uh, Dr. Paul Fidel, and we always wanted to get this class, this, this part of professional development, especially in the fourth year and the senior year, where we would, we would help the students, um, you know, with some, some of the business, some of the real life stuff, some of the transitional stuff, because, you know, I, it, it seems epidemic around the country with everything that, you, you know, you get out of schooling, not really sure what to do. You know, you're not really sure how to run a business. You know, you know how to do dentistry to a, a doctorate degree level, but, you know, we're expected to also run a business. It's almost like the Peter principle where you're promoted to a level of incompetence because you, you get sent out as a, as needing to know how to run a business and you have nothing to work with. Um, but yet, you know, you can cut the best crown, pull the best tooth, you know, you can do all that. And, um, but there's this whole other side to it. So that's, that was, that was primary, primarily our goal. And, um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a hundred percent work in progress. It's not, you know, it's not a well, well old machine per se, but, uh, once, once Jude and Robbie and, and those guys came along, it's, it's drastically helped because it's, they are a, a fine, well old machine that, that plugged right into us. So, so let's get into that. So Robbie, you, you, th- this is how, uh, this is how you met Nick is through his class and everything. So you speak, uh, you speak to his class, you speak once or twice a year and, and tell us about your involvement in Nick's class. Thank you, Art. Um, yeah, we actually met Nick at a CE event. Um, we had a vendor booth set up and thankfully the speaker was very boring that day. So Nick wasn't too into it. And you didn't like my talk that him. day, Robbie. He what? You didn't like my talk that day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so he came and hung out at our booth for a while and started talking. And he commented, you know, I didn't know there was a CPA in the area that did this and uh, that had all this information. So the main reason we got involved was we have access to a lot more things than, uh, than Nick does just because we see a lot more. Uh, he was teaching the kids from his experience, which is excellent, and but it only was able to give one perspective. So we kind of broadened the horizon a little bit. And we were already doing some things at the dental school, doing some lunch and learn, some uh, after hours deals for the for the D4s mostly, where we were working with some of the younger ones. So we knew some of their struggles. We knew mostly they all asked the same questions. So we plugged in pretty well to the class. So Robbie, what are some what are some of the questions that that, that the dental students? What are the most prominent questions you're hearing the dental students ask? Very basic questions, really. We uh, at least basic for nerd CPAs like me and you. Um, we thought we'd get super complicated questions, but more most of them center around how do taxes work? How much am I going to be paid? How much am I actually going to take home and be able to spend? And a monster question for most new grads now is, what should I do about these student loans? All right. Well, we're going to get we're going to talk about all of that. So let me go back to Nick. I'm going to kind of flip flop between the two of you. So Nick, so how many students are in your class usually? So we have uh, at LSU, we have 65 students in each class. But then uh, two years ago, we started accepting 75. So, you know, the classes coming up here that we'd see in, in our senior year would be 75 students. Um, yep. And tell me about the curriculum of the class, because I, I, I've spoken to the the classes at the USC, and that's not South Carolina, gentlemen. I know you might think that's South Carolina, but it's actually University of Southern California. Um, and um, I spoke to their dental school, UCLA Loma Linda, and um, they bring in different guest speakers every single week um, or uh, to, to their class. Is that kind of what you do, or do you have a curriculum? What, what, what do you talk? What, what's your curriculum, basically? So basically what we do is is we are kind of the guest speakers that come in and do a little sub and they're called student development days. So now with, with Robbie, Jude, and I, and, and a few other speakers, we come in and we do about four or five classes during their senior year. And that's when, um, you know, we're starting to put all this stuff together. And it's just, you know, I mean, and, you know, we, we could go all four years with every class they have to try to teach all this stuff. And we're just trying to make it as, as concentrated as we can when it's going to be most impactful in their senior year. But, you know, we also battle senioritis. We've all been there, you know, so we battle that. And yeah. Sometimes it's a Friday afternoon class and, 
you know, and so timing's always an issue. And then, you know, of course, with all of us, we're all working people. So we're taking off to go there. So there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts that have to work, but there's a lot of dedication to it as well. So Robbie, what, what's dentistry, what's the dental profession looking like in the Southeast? I mean, is it strong? Is it good? What are the challenges uh, that you're seeing with your clients? I would say it's very good, uh, very good right now. We um, tend to adopt national trends a little bit later than um, probably you guys out in California or the folks on the East Coast. So we have less DSO activity here than most ADCPA colleagues tell me about in other places. Um, The standalone single office dentistry is still a very popular model here, still a very lucrative model. Uh, and I would say it's the main model for how Baton Rouge, Louisiana dentistry is practiced. Um, the market is definitely healthy. There's transactions going on all the time. Uh, a lot of young dentists coming in, old dentists going out. Um, I, I would say it's very healthy right now. Yeah. And, and see, what I see across the country is everybody is afraid of corporate dentistry. And everybody thinks that corporate dentistry is going to take over dentistry and that the traditional fee-for-service practice is going to go away, and I don't see that happening. And, and Robbie, maybe comment to this, and, and and also Nick, maybe you too, is I have a lot of, because I sell dental practices, and I, I, I have, I'm going to tell you 50 to 75% of the doctors will say to me, Art, I am going to sell to a doctor who has similar ethics and values that I have, and I am not selling to the big groups. Now, some do. But a lot don't. And that's why I also think that, and and maybe Nick, you can comment to this. I think a lot of your students want to be in private practice. They know they have student loan debt and all this stuff. But do your students, Nick, do they want to be in private practice? Are they looking at the corporate opportunities? Where where are they going and what are they looking at when they're in their fourth year? It's it's a true mix. Um, You know, we see there's some students that, you know, they're, they're already looking in their sophomore junior year where they want to go they're real you know total go-getters and you know some want to hang a shingle some you know there's a there's a big mix across there but there's also a big a big push for corporate dentistry and and almost like a a hybrid corporate dentistry i guess you could call it because we have some that are like locally owned but with a lot of volume of practices and things like that um but you know i think personally there's there's room for everybody in the world and 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 I know we still fight it here, and I'm sure it's it's everywhere in the country. Is just the access to care of of you know just trying to get people's dental needs met. So, um, you know, th- there's a lot more dentistry out there than there are dentists, and so I think I think there's there's a need for for all types of dentistry. Part I would add to that that uh, I think some of the I agree with everything Nick said, but I think some of the students too are a little bit intimidated by private practice. Uh, they kind of like the idea of going into a corporate environment where it's Here's your patient. Go in, do your dentistry. You're going to receive a paycheck and go home. Um, so part of what we talk about in the class is just how beneficial it can be to own your own practice, how much that can mean financially, how much it can mean emotionally, uh, what that can look like in retirement. Uh, we try to kind of preach that private practice is still a viable option and that you don't have to know everything that we're talking about. Also, when we when we talk about these business topics, sometimes the kids kind of glaze over and uh, say, I can never learn all this stuff. And we remind them, most of our active clients don't know all this stuff. Uh, they lean on other professionals to make a career out of taking care of these things for them. And and so, Robbie, talk about PPOs in your area. Are they prevalent? And, and how do you advise your clients uh, if they're talking about PPOs? My, my clients in California, I was given a lecture. I, I, I think I might have mentioned this on a prior podcast. I had a yeah, I had a doctor. I did mention this. I'll mention it again. I had a doctor who basically stood up and said, uh, we can't do dentistry without taking PPOs. So wh- what do you say to somebody who's who's going to go down that route, uh, that path that you and I both know is is really not a good one? Yeah, it seems to be kind of the, the necessary evil um, that that is the dental industry right now. I would say the majority of folks in Louisiana take some type of PPO plan. The goal is always fee-for-service clients. Uh, they're a little harder to harder to come by, but if you can use those discount dollars from the PPOs in creative forms of marketing, those fee-for-service clients are still out there, and uh, and we make sure that they know that. Oh, absolutely. So, Nick, you're in private practice. You started. You, you took on a partner. Uh, you joined with a partner about uh, about what twelve years ago, I think. 
Uh, I think so. Yeah, 2007. I'm the numbers guy. I'll do the numbers. So 19 minus 12 is 7. Well, (laughs) it's the least I could do for you. You guys get me like freaking football tickets. The least I could do is do the numbers on the podcast for you. So, so, you know, obviously you're bringing your experience to the, um, to the dental students. What are the biggest challenges you have in your practice? So, um, actually I'll go back a little bit to my Katrina story. When, when that first happened, uh, Dr. Bankhead, Daniel Bankhead, he was who I did my observation time with trying to go to dental school. So when Katrina hit, I called him up and I said, man, doc, I need, I need a place to live. And he said, man, come live with me, live with me and the family. So I went up there and lived with, with he and his wife and his three kids. And, and, uh, so that's, that's where I lived my junior year. And then we got a house after that. And, and we were sitting there one day, just, uh, at a traffic stop. And I said, man, this is crazy. Cause he always said he'd like me to come back and practice with him when I was an undergrad. And I was like, no, you know, cause when you're from new Orleans, you don't leave new Orleans. And so <laughs> I said, uh, I'm going to be practicing new Orleans and, and that's it, you know? And so here we are. And then we're sitting at a traffic light and I said, man, I think we just need to practice together. We shook hands right there. And that was it. That was our agreement right then and there. And it's always, you know, and of course now it's, it's all, you know, on paper and everything like that. But um, you know, he's, he's a, a very talented dentist, you know, ton of personality guy, but not a business guy. And I love the business side of stuff. And, uh, so for us, we work really well together. We have a, uh, an old house on a historic street here in Baton Rouge and, you know, it's a, it's a unique setting. Um, and, and it works great for us and our clients and, and our practice was started by a dentist back in 1962, I think 63. So, you know, we've been in that area for a very long time and that's the type of practice we love having. 57 years. See, there's more numbers. I have to show that I know numbers Thank or they you. don't let me do this podcast. Well, thanks, man. You should be doing some numbers yourself. So, so you got there, Al. That's, that's right. So, so, um, so Robbie, uh, Talk a little bit about, um, you said the biggest problem is student loan debt. So how do you counsel your, 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 your young clients who come out of school three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in debt? Uh, great question. And I, I don't think there's a one size fits all approach to that, but um, I'd say that we see mostly extremes in this situation. Either somebody's looking to not pay any of it on the front end, um, doing some kind of income-based repayment where for the first year or two before you really show a full year income on a tax return, you can get away with not paying very much. Um, the interest continues to accrue, but you don't have to make very big payments. And the opposite side of that, probably really the more common side of that is uh, the emotional, my God, I need to get rid of these student loans immediately. I want to put every dollar of additional cash flow to these student loans as fast as I can. Um, the sweet spot's probably somewhere in the middle. We do see a lot of refinances. Um, so far, I did a deal for the ADCPA firms and our clients um, to give a rate discount on a student loan refi. So we do encourage them to at least look at that. Um, but the important thing to remember is that these students need a little bit of personal liquidity. And when we go in and talk to them about taxes, we just want to make sure that those things are provided for before you start hammering at those student loans. Uh, I, I think it's great to be to be attacking the student loans very aggressively. They're not going away. The interest rates on them are not great. But what I hate to see students do is come out and to and use every additional dollar um, to go to student loans and not be saving for taxes, be making quarterly payments, or be starting some savings for retirement. So I think there's a healthy balance there where you can have those things paid off in you know seven to ten years. Okay, uh, and we'll come back and talk a little more, Robbie, about uh, some of the stuff that you do with your clients. So, Nick, what are, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Apple Guerin has been a big part of uh, helping you uh, with this program. What are some of the other types of speakers that you have, and what are the topics you cover with the doctors other than the financial part? Well, so most of our stuff is is financial. So, but okay. we, you know, we do have, um, you know, certified financial planners that will come in. We also have young dentists that come in that, you know, senior, you're not paying attention. You're like, oh, what is this? And then we, we hear this stuff or we heard, and then all of a sudden they come in and, and a year out and they, they tell their story and, and they're like, man, I wish I would have paid attention, you know, last year because this is front and center for me now. And, and now I'm having to pay for this, this knowledge, you know, just kind of like when you're in dental school and teachers would tell you, you know, when you get out, you have to pay for the CE that, 
that it's, you know, that you, that you have to take. And, and this is all free knowledge. So, you know, and we're there and we try to, we try to be, um, at, at the student's disposal for any questions, emails, anything like that to help them. And we know a lot of the students. And so, um, it's starting to take traction. Uh, so it's been really nice when the students do reach out cause I know they do appreciate it. Um, the ones that, that do appreciate it, but, um, it's just such a need for it. And I mean, we all know from our side looking back, but it's easy to look back with 2020 vision, you know, but when you're in the mix of dental school, it's tough, you know, and I think any dentist out there knows what it's like being in dental school and all you want to do is get out of there. So get, get out. That's right. And um, so when these, when the dentists call you after they've been out one, two, three, four years, what, what are they asking you questions? They're just kind of telling you what's going on and, and what are their biggest issues and, and, and I guess it's it's uh, you know what are their concerns uh, you know a couple of years out of dental school what are you hearing well you know it's, it's, it's interesting so some will, some will want to know a lot of insurance questions and so you know I have a great office manager who who, who does know a ton about all this um, stuff as well and so and and she's part of the class uh, so she answers a lot of questions for them um, it, it's it's one of these things that you know when when you get out you can go one of 2000 directions. And, you know, so some of the questions come up that we can't even answer, but, you know, now having Jude and Robbie in there, a lot of these questions that are a lot more CPA specific or business specific that, that they can answer. It's, it's so much easier to just point them in their direction now, which has been a, a tremendous. Yeah. And, and it is. And so Robbie, let's talk a little bit. You get a new client. Okay. Um, you've lectured the class, a, a young dentist comes to you, maybe they're buying a practice, maybe they're working as an employer, an independent contractor. So do, do you have a checklist of the things when you start off with somebody, but w- what are you talking to your doctors about when you first take them on as a client? Absolutely. Um, probably the first question is, are you a 1099 or are you a W2? Right. Um, the, the only wrong answer to that is, I don't know. <laughs> um, do you get that answer? Then we, yeah, we do. We do. Now, uh, anybody who's been through our class at least knows the difference or has been told the difference. And that's probably the first point that we go to. Then, then it sort of forks in the road. If it's W-2, things are pretty easy. We talk to them about their future plans, um, how they're compensated, how happy they are where they are. We try to get to know them a little bit, um, know their personality, know if this is the final destination for them or, or if they have other goals in mind. Um, the 1099 discussion gets a little bit deeper. We talk about more of their options because they have more options and they also have more responsibilities. So we want to make sure that they know what they have coming down the down the pipe if they don't um, make their quarterly payments. What is a quarterly payment? There's so many, so many different topics. Um, all the students definitely want to know what type of items can I write off? Um, so we, we go into, into that whole discussion, uh, retirement options. There's a there's a lot of places that conversation goes, but yes, it's all all you know. We like checklists as accountants, so it's definitely on a on a checklist to go through with them. That that's right, and 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 one of the one of the challenges, Robbie, is that I mean, have you gotten dentists who come to you in November and December and say, "Well, I graduated dental school and I worked all year and I made two hundred and twenty thousand dollars as a ten ninety nine and uh, independent contractor and I haven't paid any taxes and uh, do, do we just break out the bourbon and say, "Hey, let's"? Uh, <laughs> we're going to need that for this meeting. Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, I hope I tell them. I hope you have something in a savings account somewhere because because uh, we're gonna we're gonna probably need that. But um, I don't know if I say it's two twenty bad. But I, I got an email from a recent graduate um, literally this week that said, you know. It's getting to the backside of the year. I, I'm getting a 1099. I need to know what I need to do. So we definitely, definitely get those questions. Um, I think one thing that Nick kind of hit on that that's really big is bringing these younger, recent graduates, I'd say somewhere between two and six years out of dental school to these classes. Um, hearing it from me or even Nick, who's, uh, you did that awesome math on him, been out for 12 years. Um it, it doesn't have as much power as someone who's recently done these things. So they'll come in and tell their story. And a lot of times it is, Hey, I got that surprise tax bill. Nobody told me that I was a 1099 and I need to be paying in during the year or that the tax would be this much. 
Um, nobody told me that I could do a SEP IRA. Nobody told me any of these things. So I think that the most powerful part of our class is the younger dentists coming in and, and telling their story and telling their experiences and things that they would go back and do, do differently. Um, we have, have some come in and tell crazy stories of how they thought they were going to buy a practice and it got snatched out from under them or um, they went to work for somebody who didn't have as great of a partnership situation as Nick did and were kind of stranded for a couple of months and went into good or bad situations. So that, that's a really powerful part of our class. So, Robbie, what I want you to do now, because I, I will tell you guys, and again, I, I am a huge fan, obviously, of the Academy of Dental CPAs. Um, uh, Apple Guerin is our newest member that came in about five years ago. Um, finer human beings, more competent CPAs, just the nicest people I have ever met. Um, and, and it has nothing to do with the fact that you treated me to two LSU football games and a, a heck of a lot of really good food, which I didn't need, but I had it anyway. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that if you are in the uh, area in Louisiana and the surrounding areas, uh, and you're not working with Robbie, uh, or one of his partners, you just need to call him. So, Robbie, give out your contact information, please. How can people get a hold of you? And then I want to ask, I want to go back to Nick on some questions. Absolutely. Well, you know, all that great LSU uh, football and Baton Rouge experience, and you still had the Oregon folks on your podcast before us. So, oh. uh, don't think we didn't notice that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we love you, Art. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the, uh, the kind words. Uh, the best way to kind of research our company our website is agdentalcpas.com or you can google louisiana dental cpas and we'll we'll come up my email address is r apple like the fruit at apple garan g-u-e-r-i-n.com we have crazy uh cajun names down here yeah yeah i i know you do but the fact of the matter is is while you did treat me at like a like a king when i came down there Oregon is in the Pac-12, and we are in the Pac-12, and you're not in the Pac-12, and you win the national. You guys win the national. Ch- I mean, your conference owns college football. So, sorry. The good know. thing about going to an Oregon State away game is you know you're going to win. <laughs> That's right. So I, I think it'll be interesting if you have an Oregon State playing LSU somewhere down the road. Now I know that uh, LSU is coming out to play UCLA in two years. So. Uh, you and I and your buddies are going to have a good time because you will be my guest and you'll be in my house. And uh, so there you go. Hey, I want to go back to Nick. Nick, so you're in a partnership. Talk about the dynamics of having a partner. Talk about how you communicate with Dr. Burkhead, how you work with him. What are your challenges? And, and maybe some advice for dentists who are thinking about going into partnership with maybe a classmate or somebody else. Well, you know, a partnership is a marriage, basically. So, you know, you get in there and, and uh, there's a lot of things that you have to compromise on and go through. And, and um, you know, when I first came in, it I worked myself uh, into the partnership and, and uh, you know, more or less associated at first. But, you know, we were always kind of partners along the way. And then, you know, but as we make those decisions, there's a lot of decisions and, you know, he's got strengths and weaknesses and I have strengths and weaknesses. And so we have to appreciate all those things. So, um, you know, as far as coming out and just jumping into a, a partnership, uh, I think it's a good idea. You know, you want to associate there for a little while and really see if that's where you want to be, because, you know, once you make that decision, it's really tough to unwind that. And so as we tell these you know, all these students that are there, you know, they'll ask a lot of those kind of questions, you know, do you suggest I do this or do that? Um, You know, and you got to see, I mean, what fits, you know, the shoes I wear aren't going to be the shoes you wear. So uh, you need to get out there and and see how it is. And and just because this was your childhood dentist, or just because this is your dad's friend, or, you know, your dad's uh, or family dentist that's lives in another city you want to go to doesn't necessarily mean it's the the best fit for you or the best partner for you. Um, And we see that a lot, you know, going back to that question you asked earlier, you know, they, they get in there thinking it's going to be this, this great, this great deal. And, and then, and you know how it is. And there's a lot of older dentists out there and, and uh, that aren't quite ready to, to get rid of all their control of that practice and and that poses a problem for when you got a young guy coming in he wants to bring all this new technology all these new ideas and and the staff as well 
you know, the staff has to conform to what you want to do or is still conform to what they want to do. And, you know, and, and it can make for a, a, a testy environment and, and, and it makes for, you know, a tough career at that point if, if it's not the right fit. Now, I'm going to go back to Robbie on this. So, Robbie, I can't tell you how many times I get a, a doctor in a practice sales situation or an associate situation. Well, I don't need legal documents. You know what? I'll just take the document my buddy did, and, and we'll just save the legal fees. Robbie, talk about working with attorneys. I mean, I know you work a lot. I work a lot with attorneys. What advice do you give to dentists in, in, in any situation where there's a legal document? Uh, you definitely want to work with somebody who has some experience in the dental world, somewhere in the transactional world. Um, that partnership agreement is is your Bible. If uh, if there is a disagreement, that's what's going to going to hold firm. So you want to make sure you're working with somebody who's thinking of every avenue and has seen some things, um, seen some things go wrong. When things go right, that partnership agreement sits in a drawer and has has no bearing on anything. It's all about when it goes wrong. So you want to think down some kind of dark roads as to how how this could go sideways on you. Um, partner gets a divorce. If uh, God forbid someone passes away, you know th- those provisions need to be in there. So you're not you're not put in a worse situation if you're already in a bad one. That's that's right. And then talk a little bit about. How do you get, maybe both of you guys can jump in on this one, is how do you talk, I know it's a financial class, you talk to them about, you know, saving for retirement. I know a young dentist is thinking, oh my God, save for retirement? <laughs> I got to get out of dental school. I got to get a job. I've got, maybe I have a, a husband or a wife. Maybe I've got kids. Maybe I've got a mortgage. So so how do you guys counsel young dentists as far as starting to save money, uh, maybe just saving not only a, a, a nice little uh, war chest for in their personal names, but also saving for long-term retirement. We, we definitely have that discussion with them and that, uh, are you live in the tax world? You know, that's, that's usually the most lucrative write-off available to anybody is, is putting a big chunk of money away for retirement. Um, I, I'd say this is another place where we kind of see the extremes, um, to the same student loan type example where students say, well, if, if it's going to save me 30% of my taxes to put, a tremendous amount of money away in retirement. That's what I want to do. I'm saving all these taxes and they kind of forget about the personal liquidity side of things and making sure that you're comfortable, have that emergency fund ready. And if you want to pay down your student loans, you're going to have to forego at least incredible amounts of money going into retirement on the front side. So I think that's a conversation that we have with a lot of the, a lot of the new grads. We'd love to see you putting some money away for retirement, but make sure you don't lock up all your assets in something that you can't touch for a very long time. Cause if it goes in there, you definitely don't want to touch it. I mean, we, we really want everybody to, you know, you, you can kind of do all this stuff and, and I mean, you can pay down your debt as long as you have a plan. I, I had uh, Mark Johnson on one of my podcasts. He's a financial planner out of the St. Louis area. And he, he specializes in helping dentists with their paying down their student loans. And he's got a plan to get them to pay them off in seven to 10 years and like I, I have a saying, everything in my life, well, not everything, there's golf and there's fly fishing and stuff, but everything, most everything in my life is a math problem. And, um, you know, Robbie, if we can get get him, you know, starting to save early and, and, and Robbie, talk, talk a little bit, maybe Nick, both you guys talk about how important it is just starting to save money early. I mean, the compounding and everything like that. I remind them too, Art, that they're getting a little later start than your average American worker. That's right. Um, us as CPAs in Louisiana, you have to have five years of um, of education before you can become a CPA. So I started working about 23 years old. I wasn't making the kind of money that these guys are making right when they come out, but um, I started saving for retirement immediately. So most students at, at the absolute youngest are 25, 26, 27 they're kind of behind their, their friends who have been working for a few years. So you have to remember that there's a little bit of catch up to be played as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and it's so important that you, that doctors, that you start planning and sit down with a CPA and sit down with a financial consultant and talk to your professors, uh, great people like Nick in dental school uh, who have been in practice, who are in practice and, and who know the good, the bad and the ugly. Nick, what are the two or three best things you've done in your dental practice? <laughs> Started saving early for sure. Uh, there you go. You know, and and, and 
uh, you know, one thing that's difficult, I think, for a lot of people is to really think about death, disability, divorce. Um, you know, and so when you have to sit down with attorneys, with your wives, um, you know, spouses and um, sit down doing a living will and really outline this this whole thing. I, you know, it's so important. And so many people don't do it. I'm going to do it next year. Those kind of things. And we do bring that up to all the all the students, but, you know, it's just so important. Everything is just, it's outlined, um, you know, and making sure that you've got, you've got this, this, this whole thing that's outlined with insurance, um, you know, with your wills, with, you know, with your partners, with everything. So it's all, it's all clearly there. And I think lastly is, is creating those habits because, you know, if, if you're not maxing out your 401k or your SEP IRA or, or doing those things early on and you say, okay, well, you know, once I get through this or once I get to next year, once I pay off that, I'm going to start putting in here. We all know that that's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, and so then when you got to start catching up at 40 because you didn't start at 27, you know, now what you got to put in at 40 is an entirely different chunk than if you've been doing this all along with a habit from 27. And that's a big part of what the class we show. Oh, you're absolutely right. And and you think about it this way. I mean, I you know, um, uh, Nick, are, are you, uh, I didn't ask you, are you, you're, you're married? I am married. You're married. So you have kids? Yes, sir. Okay. So, you know, how old are your kids? Uh, eight-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. Oh, God bless you. That's wonderful. And and as you know, with the eight-year-old son, the eight-year-old son, eight years is a one, eight years old is incredible because they they want to try everything. They want to play baseball. They want to play. They want to go swimming. They want to go play soccer. They want to play basketball. And, and you know, my my boys are are, are grown. Uh, Robbie's met my youngest son, uh, Forrest, who is a. Uh, I talk about him. I'm so proud of my my two boys. But Forrest is just amazing. He, um, uh, you know, he's a high school uh, athlete. He played uh, baseball, water polo in college. He played baseball and um, just. Uh, but what happens is, is that, you know, it's, it's a hundred dollars here and 300 here. And now, uh, you want to take them skiing and then you want to do this. And, and as you start having children, life gets more expensive, doesn't it? Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Robbie, you're not quite there yet, but you will be someday, I guess. And, um, not quite. I watched you, um, watch Jude with his three children and he's always sending me warning shots. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I like to let him test out the world before me. Well, I, I, I want to throw out a, I want to throw out a, a throw, throw out to, to Robbie. Robbie is a newlywed, his wife, Jessica. Uh, my, my, my thing with Robbie is, is Robbie way, way overachieved in who he married. Jessica is just the most <laughs> amazing, wonderful Agreed. lady. I've had, a, I've had the, the, the honor and pleasure of meeting Jessica several times. Um, and you know, they've been to California. I've been to Louisiana. So, um, but, but, but yeah, if you can start saving when you're younger, um, before you have these expenses of buying a house, here's one for you, Robbie. All right. Uh, Dennis says, should I buy my practice first or should I buy my house first? What do you tell him? I tell them that the, if you buy a good practice, it can buy you whatever kind of house you want. Yep. Just, just give it a little time. I love that. I love that. So uh, let me go back, Nick. I want to talk a little bit about your practice and maybe some tips that you have for young dentists who are maybe starting a practice or are buying a practice. Um, do you have a vision, you and your partner? Talk about how important leadership and vision is in your practice and, and, and how you do that and kind of where you're going in your practice. Sure. We, uh, you know, with, with our partnership, he's, uh, Dan's 15 years older than I am. So, you know, we're always in these, these transitions of, you know, as, as he's working himself towards a retirement goal. I mean, we all are, but he's closer there than I am. And, and, uh, you know, so as we, as we build our practice and we're always different parts of it at different times and, and go back through it with a fine tooth comb, do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? Do we need to, um, you know, try new things. Um, and, you know, currently we're, we're actually adding on doing an expansion right now, um, trying to get some more operatories in there and, and, uh, just to, to get some of the, you know, you know, it is like patients start calling all the time, trying to find places to fit them. So, um, that's part of where we are at this exact moment. And, you know, next year will be something else years before it's, it's been different things. And, and so, but after, you know, I don't know, maybe after five or seven years of practice, it feels like you finally start knowing what you're doing, you know, and you're starting to really 
feel firm on the ground. And then, you know, but having a, having an experienced partner is always such a tremendous help, you know, where you can go and, and talk with them. So now as we're entering that, that next phase at, you know, 12 years of practice for me and, and my partners at uh, almost 30 years of practice, um, you know, it's, it's a lot more that as we move forward together approach. So, um, again, it's, it's a, it's always interesting in a partnership, you know, cause it, it's a lot of decision-making that always has to be done together versus if you just have one lead doctor and then a bunch of associates or, or whatnot underneath them that, you know, and they just make what they think is the best decision for the, the company. So. All right. That's the kind of problem we want to hear from all of our clients, right? Oh. Is I have so many people calling, I don't know where to put them. Exactly. And, 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 and expanding is so, I mean, you get some nice tax benefits from it, but but absolutely. So maybe both one of you guys, both you guys, can address how do you use metrics uh, in in managing a dental practice? You get- I'm always looking at overhead percentages um, and the the major expense categories that fall underneath that. You know what what your total employee costs, what your total facility costs, uh, what your total clinical costs, and for doctors who do different procedures, it's going to be a little bit different. You know, the, the implant stuff is super expensive. If you have a CRAC, you may not spend as much on lab fees. You know, we kind of get into the weeds a little bit on that to understand each individual practice. Um, there are a bevy of metrics out there, and there's some really good dashboards that will pull that information in for you um, to, to give you some key KPIs, some key performance indicators um, to give you a quick pulse on your practice. Um, I find that if you leave too much work to be done, you know, computing, not everybody can do math in their head like you are, um, the doctors won't do it. So it's nice to have something where you can click a button that loads out of your EagleSoft or your Dentrix or your Open Dental and, and puts it in front of you, especially if it makes it into a pretty picture so you can see trends and whatnot. I, I have a doctor, Robbie uh, and Nick, who... Uh, swore their practice was doing really well until I pointed out that 60% of their patients were not being reappointed after a hygiene appointment. And and the doctor's comment was, well, Art, she she told me that everybody gets an appointment. And I said, well, I guess everybody is every other body because that's about what it yeah. was. And and you think about the lost revenues and, and how important it is. Uh, you know, Nick, in your practice uh, with Dr. Burkhardt and, and Robbie with your you know, almost 200 dentists that you work with, I mean, every additional dollar that a doctor brings in, the only overhead they really have is lab and supplies. I mean, most doctors can do one to $400,000 more dentistry um, without adding any team members. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, a, it's an ex- excellent point. I mean, that reappoint percentage is something that I think most doctors are, are pretty plugged into, but certainly should be. And the hygiene department is really the the belly of the practice. That's that's where all the dentistry is being found that needs to be done. And it's your constant. It's, it's what's getting them in the door every six months to make sure they're not going somewhere else. Um, so having having making sure someone's looking at that, whether it's someone inside the practice or a good consultant outside the practice, Somebody needs to be looking at those things and alarming them to, to trends like the one you described, because it's, it's very easy for the doctor to get into the day to day and, and kind of not see the forest for the trees. It's uh, we do the same thing in our CPA practice. It's, it's just very easy to get occupied with the very detailed work that you're doing. That's right. And, and ladies and gentlemen, this is the difference between working with a CPA who understands a dental prof- a dental practice and one who doesn't understand a dental practice. Because part of our job, Robbie, isn't it really to help make them more money? I mean, we can save them taxes. That's what we do. That's what we're trained to do. But if we can find things in their practice that are profit holes uh, that can help them make more money to have that money to to put their kids through college and to have that money to put into their 401k or profit sharing plan, isn't that the whole idea? That's one of the more rewarding things that we're able to do with a lot of our clients is see somebody who's struggled for uh, sometimes a lot of years, sometimes only a couple of years, and, and is looking for something a little bit different. And it's amazing they find that one thing that kind of turns on the hose and they'll never complain about a tax bill ever again because they know what it was like to, to struggle and to have that additional cash flow is just, it's life-changing. Well, and, and, and again, for both of you, because remember, we're all in a service business. Nick, you're in a service business to 
to help uh, to help patients uh, with their total health. It, it's all about caring and trust. Nick, talk to talk to our audience about how you know how you treat patients and, and your attitude towards patients and, and and what your number one objective is for your patients. I, you know, I, I just always love treating everybody, you know, as if it was your mom or your grandmother in the chair. Um, and and I have a very family-oriented practice. And so it's funny, we talk about making an expansion. For all these years, I work primarily out of one operatory, you know, and I oh, wow. see just one patient at a time. And so, you know, it's just to the point where obviously, and it's been to the point where I need extra chairs to see, but, and that's what it is. I love you know, I love getting in there and knowing my patients and treating the patient first and everything else follows. And so, you know, I think it's tough when all these kids are faced with so much debt or they, they, they think it's going to be so difficult when they get out and you have to just say, listen, you know, just do the best you can do and, uh, you know, treat people the way you would want to be treated, just your basic principles in life. And, uh, you know, all the goods will follow that. Absolutely. Honesty, integrity, transparency. If you take care of people, the money will come. If you go after the money first, I think you're going to have some problems. So uh, unfortunately, guys, we're coming to the end of our time in this podcast. I love talking to the both of you. I mean, you're both fantastic uh, resources for the dental profession. And and Nick, uh, God bless you for what you do with your charity and, and what you do to help the young dentists coming out of LSU Dental School. So Nick, maybe a Final comment to young dentists out there who are maybe in dental school, just got out. Maybe your one one pearl you can leave them with, and then I'll go to Robbie. Man, just just start young, and we always preach that in the class. Start young, create good habits early on, and uh, it'll make your whole career a whole lot better. And always treat people right. Sounds good, Robbie. Any any last pearls? I'm going to have you give your your contact information out one more time, but. Anything that you can, you know, for a young dentist out there that maybe hasn't met you or doesn't know you that you can share with them that might resonate with them when they finish, uh, when they turn off the podcast? I would say have a plan. Um, Everybody's plan may look a little bit different, but flying blind is rarely a good plan. So make sure that you, you either have a plan or you're working with someone who can help you devise a plan, but have a plan for how you're going to attack all these different things, being taxes compensation, retirement, you know, all, like you said, you can do a little bit of all of that. And and if you have a good plan and good people to lean on and you stay grounded in those principles, Nick talked about, it's all going to work out. You picked an excellent profession. Absolutely. The dental profession is a fantastic profession. And, and folks, if you are in Louisiana or in the surrounding areas near Louisiana and your CPA is not talking to you about uh, your reappointment percentage or whether you should have CAD cam or, or what kind of supply inventory you should have uh, or what your cancellation percentage is, you need to give Robbie Apple a call. He will help you. His team will help you. Uh, Jude and Todd uh, will help you. They are just absolutely the best in the area. There's no doubt in my mind that you will not be sorry if you call them. Robbie, give out your contact information, please. Sure. Um, I, that email address was again was rapple at applegaran.com. Our phone number is area code 225-767-1020. And you can find us on the web at agdentalcpas.com. All right. Well, listen, uh, Robbie, I'll see you in Dallas in a in a little bit. We'll have a good time there. And um, Nick, thank you so much for taking your valuable time out of your day. I know you're a busy guy being a being a dad, which is your most important job, as I'm sure you know, um, and uh, and being a practice owner and a and a mentor to young dentists, we talk about legacy. And Nick, your you, part of your legacy is not only the charitable work that you're going to do, but is also the fact that you know that you have helped probably by the time you're done thousands of young dentists and move them in the right direction in their career. So kudos to you. Thanks, Art. I appreciate it. All right, and Robbie. Uh, go, go time. By the way, they spell go in Louisiana, in Louisiana, G E A U X. So just, you know, Robbie's really good at numbers, but the spelling part, he's still got to work on, but that's what the sign says when you walk through Tiger stadium. Um, but, um, Robbie, thank you so much. I, you are my dear friend. I love talking to you. I love working with you. I love just hanging out with you. I wish you lived closer. Uh, give a big hug to Jessica for me. And, um, uh, like I say, thank you for your time today. 
Thank you for having us, Art. We really appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, again, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm at 714-259-0505, artwiederman at gmail.com if you want to email me. If you want to find any of our podcasts, we are busting at the seams with people listening and calling. I'm getting calls. I know Robbie's getting calls. People, our ADCPA members are getting calls from Dennis who are hearing the the podcast. We want to help you. We want to help you grow. We want to help uh, give you resources. Uh, go to www.hmwccpa.com. Uh, go to the resources tab. Go to the podcast tab and all of the podcasts uh, uh, will be up. Uh, Robbie and Nick's podcast will be up in uh, late September. And so you'll be able to get their contact information and listen to that. And again, folks, if you're not working with a dental specific CPA like a Robbie Apple or I'll say an Art Wiederman, uh, please go to our website, www.adcpa.org. Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for the honor and privilege of listening to this podcast. Please tell your friends to download it. Please write a review. Uh, please let everybody know the information is good. We want to help you to be more profitable and more happy in your lives. So that is it for today. That is it for this edition of the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman CPA. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.